Good morning, Petaluma. You are listening to Talking with Rabbi Ted at KPCALP Petaluma 103.3 FM online at kpca.fm. I'm Rabbi Ted Feldman, the Rabbi of B'nai Israel Jewish Center and the Chair of the Petaluma Community Relations Council. Here we are for this week's uh, program. During our second segment today, we'll be visiting with three students from Casa Grande High School here in Petaluma. But here in the studio for the first segment are Trisha Almond and Caitlin Quinn. Trisha is the Chair of the Sonoma County Commission on the Status of Women. And Caitlin is a member of that commission and also on the Petaluma City Schools Board. So welcome to the studio today. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for having us, my favorite rabbi. Oh, my goodness. Can I get a badge that says that or something? I will make one. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I think, wow. Oh, wow, that's good to know. I can put, can I put I, my resume. That would look yeah, really yeah. good. That would look really good. So welcome to the studio. Um, familiar am I with the work of the commission in particular. We're going to focus on that for a little bit. And if we branch off into other things, that'll be okay, too. Uh, last year, the commission met actually at the Israel Jewish Center. We had a meeting of the Community Relations Council there, and we had the opportunity to learn a lot about the work of that commission. What I'd first like to do is get to know and have our community know a little bit more about you and what brought you to the work that you're doing and uh, why it's important for you and all that kind of good stuff. So an entire lifetime biography in whatever amount of time here. Wow, Trisha, can you do that? <laughs> how many how many minutes do I get? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm going to start with uh, one story that I'd like to share is the impact of how I was treated versus my brothers who came along after me. I was dad's um, helper. He was a plumber, plumbing contractor. And... Uh, I, I would go help him, and I'd find a tool. That's all I would do, really do. I was young. And then when I hit about seven and my next brother was five, all of a sudden I kind of got fired, and I had to stay home with mom and learn all the household chores instead. Um, so my brothers were then stepping into place. So that was the first time I was impacted, but not really consciously. I didn't quite get it. I would say activism-wise was when I had my own daughters. Um... And I started out going into Girl Scouts. You wouldn't think that would be a, quite a traditional way, but I was determined to empower young girls to provide leadership skills for them, skills going out, and uh, we provided many events to the community. We would go camping regularly. I took them to Mexico. They went to Hawaii. Um, so that was the first impact. Then, in the late 90s, my husband took me to a production of the Vagina Monologues when it was done professionally back then, and... That kind of blew me away. It spoke to me deeply. I had been raped um, many years ago, and in that way, it was almost a process for me to heal. So at some point, I started producing the Vagina Monologues, and then from there evolved, uh, got into safety and nonprofit. And then from there, um, I collaborated with the commission on a One Billion Rising event, and that was 2015. I ended up on the commission um, working towards empowering women, for additional equality, not to overrun men, but to be equal to men as best possible. And, and how long have you been in Petaluma? 
1991 when I got out of the military. Wow. Okay. Okay. Good. Caitlin, what? Yeah. Tell us a little. So I've only been here since '93. My parents moved here when I was six months old. Um, what you were here doing the calculations? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I had a great time growing up in Petaluma. Went to Sonoma Mountain, Kenilworth, Casa. Actually, was in a lot of classes with Trisha's daughter Gabby. Um, and I started activism in high school. We had a little club called Gender Equality Now, and we did the vagina monologues um, at Casa Grande. And we did a Take Back the Night with Helen Grieco. Um, and I didn't even realize how much that impacted me until a few years into college at UC Berkeley. And I was just like miles ahead of so many other people in the understanding of activism and gender because I had been fortunate enough to get it in high school. Um, and I think in high school we all went to Trisha's show, um, too. Um, I didn't connect all the dots of that. Um, and then after college, I started working at Verity, Sonoma County's Rape Crisis Center. Um, and Verity collaborates with the commission all the time. And so when there was a vacancy for one of the other seats in Petaluma, I jumped at the chance and had a great conversation with David Rabbit. And here I am. I've only been on the commission a few months, but I'm having a lot of fun so far. Wow. And how do you get on the commission? I think that one of the questions mm-hmm. we wanted people to understand was how, how people from the different districts right. do that. So there's an application process um, whenever there's a vacancy. A uh, seat lasts two years, um, and you submit your application to whoever your supervisor is. So it helps to know what district you're in. Um, so, for example, Trisha and I and our friend Karen all live here in District 2, which is Petaluma and the surrounding area. And our supervisor is David Rabbit, so I did the application and emailed it over to him, and then he submitted a name that he wanted. Mm, okay. So right now we do have openings mm-hmm. in District 3, which is under Supervisor Zane, as well as District 1, which is under Supervisor Gorin. And the applications are readily available online at sococsw.org. Mm-hmm. Okay. How long has the commission been in existence? It's been there a while. Since 1975, the ordinance that created it was uh, ordinance number 1850 with the charge to take uh, affirmative action to eliminate the practice of discrimination and prejudice because of the gender in the areas of, or, yeah, the areas of housing, education, community services, and related fields. Mm-hmm. Yes, when I heard that when we met uh, a year ago, I think, up in Israel or so, I went, wow, it's been around here a long time, and that, that's amazing. In fact, one of the original commissioners, who was also a chair, is uh, Lynn Wilson. Right, right. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. She's, uh, her impact in her career in this community mm-hmm. has been truly amazing, truly amazing over these years. So could uh, you describe a little of the work of the commission at this point, and what, uh, what's happening and what, what impact you think you're having, what areas you're focusing on, those kinds of things? As of our strategic planning session last October, our new ad hocs for the next two years through 2020... Ad hocs are... Are just uh, committees. Okay, there we go. Uh, uh, one is um, Voices of Sonoma County Women, of which they uh, have pulled together a survey for Sonoma County women to respond to, and girls, full females, um, asking what in Sonoma County is having the greatest impact on them, 
and what they see as having the greatest impact on Sonoma County women in general. Uh, with that, there's an online survey, there's hard copy surveys, English and Spanish, and there are going to be listening sessions where the public is invited to attend. We're, gonna, uh, we're shooting for one per district, and there are five districts. <clears throat> women can voice their opinions on what is most impacting them and their lives mm-hmm. and the county. So our first one is actually coming up uh, March 14th. Our commission meeting is going to be here in Petaluma for a change. Normally it's in Santa Rosa at the Petaluma Women's Club. So the first hour from approximately 6 to 7 p.m. is going to be our meeting, and that will follow up with uh, our first public listening session. Prior to that listening session, though, we actually have two at the women's jail in Santa Rosa wow. on That's the 6th. Yeah, that those listening. We've had several conversations on this program mm-hmm. uh, with individuals who are into empathetic listening. Lou Zwire mm-hmm. was part of the coordinating committee uh, of the Petaluma Community Relations Council. Is very into these empathetic listening mm-hmm. circles and how important it is for people to be heard and to know, feel that their voices are being acknowledged in some way in the world. So uh, I think that's a, an important piece. And, uh, and any, any comments from you about the work of the commission and what you think is happening? Well, I think she would be a good spokesperson yeah. for the Empowerment Ad Hoc. Yeah, okay. so I'm one of the members of the Empowerment Ad Hoc, and as the name may suggest, we are all about empowering women. Um, but one of our focuses right now is to get more women on commissions and elected into office in the local community. Um, and so the way that we're starting to do that is we're going to have, between now and June, three different sessions of explaining what commissions are and how to get on them and how to get appointed, um, and also working with women to recognize all of their leadership skills. A lot of women aren't. No one helps them identify the leadership skills that they have. On average, a woman who runs for office has to be asked seven times. I wasn't about to let that happen. I just ran for office. Um, Otherwise, I'd be waiting a long time. So um, talking to women about that and having people on panels that are from different commissions um, and girls as well. There's the Youth Commission here in Petaluma, and there are junior commissions at the county level. so really focusing on that kind of extra step of civic engagement. It's one thing to vote every two years, but it's another thing to actually get involved and be recognized as a commissioner and have you know your county supervisor and your city council know who you are. That makes a big difference in terms of getting stuff done. Um, and so there will be one in Petaluma on May 20th, one in Sonoma on May 4th, and one in June, I forget the exact date, in Healdsburg. Okay. Well, I, you know, you're reminding me of talking about uh, women's empowerment. I, I remember uh, in the, back in the 80s, and we were trying, I was trying to introduce more women engagement in the ritual at the synagogue mm-hmm. I was at in Florida many years ago. And uh, a man walked in, and he he's, he's gave this line to me that I've never forgotten. It was, women shouldn't be able to do that. That's for people to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I was, I was in total shock, right? Yeah. I was, I, 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 first of all, I was going to like, you know, I yeah. it was to, to think that that was a process going on in somebody's head to be able to use 
that kind of thing to describe the, you know, the role of women. Ah, yes, the, the dichotomy, people and women. Right, people, and then there are women, right? Yeah. So it was, it really woke me up to, uh, that, that one comment woke me up mm-hmm. to, wow, that we've got a long way to go yet. Mm-hmm. We have a long way to go, and it's happening, and things are happening, yeah. and good things are happening. And the work of the commission is uh, well. And I think important. one thing that is important to us to point out is people of all genders are welcome at all of these events. We're just looking for people that care about the status of women and care about the equality of women. So men and people of different genders that want to be on commissions or want to be on our commission this are actually, welcome. This actually came up on our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, we posted uh, that we are accepting applications for the junior commissioner project, and and I noted all genders and somebody questioned wait a minute this is about women why is it all genders well as long as you believe in our mission Mm -hmm. and our purpose there's no reason why you can't be part of the commission and we actually have had since i was part of the junior commission uh, at least two males Mm -hmm. that participated Mm -hmm. one actually was the secretary of the commission the one year so it's a one-year term for the teenagers uh, basically, it's covering their school year, and we are taking applications right now, again, sococsw.org, through tomorrow. Mm-hmm. However, if you submit it late, and I'll, I'll commit to this, if we have openings and we don't have enough applications and you submit it next week, we will definitely look at your application. We won't be mad. Yes. Won't be we mad. won't turn you down right away yeah. unless we're full with applicants that submitted right away, and I don't know what our status is mm-hmm. for applications at the moment. So what is the Junior Commission doing? They also have their own ad hocs. I honestly, I know they have intimate partner violence. I know they have empowerment as well. And I honestly can't believe what the other two are. There are four ad hocs. Uh So they are working on projects as well. They go on field trips. Mm -hmm. They're going to the Rosie the Riveter Museum soon. They're doing a career panel. Um, Yes, the career panel, which would be a great one if you want to check out the Junior Commission. Mm -hmm. The career panel is coming up on, let's see, where is it? March 18th at 5 p.m., at the Sonoma County Administration Building. Okay, and these are all open for the public? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, so it's not it's not just like a youth program, but it's rather producing opportunities mm-hmm. for the public to engage with them, right? Is that yes. Right? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that would be important. Was your commission affected by the funding stuff that happened in the county when the Human Rights Commission uh, got... Uh, mixed up with that. Yes, we were definitely um, impacted. We lost our uh, clerk staff. Uh-huh. Tracy, we love you. Yeah. Hi, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she now works for um, Supervisor Zane, which has been a good step up for her. It's a great experience for her. But she was uh, taken out, and she actually served both the Human Rights Commission and the Commission on the Status of Women. So she was providing support every day, all week, so the loss of her means that the officers are taking on the administrative role that mm-hmm. she took over for us, which has been very challenging. We all work full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the commission overall, even the junior commissioner project, the people that the commissioners are seeing that are taking on that burden, thankfully themselves. But it is a lot more work. Um, yeah. A lot more work. For a volunteer position. Yes, for a volunteer, volunteer position. Yeah, staff, <laughs> staffing does help a lot when, mm-hmm. there's, when you're in a volunteer position. Are, are there any vignettes or stories of people whose lives have been, that you could identify that have been impacted through the work of the commission? Anything that's, uh, uh, that 
stands out in your mind about uh, what you've done there or uh, what's it like or any reactions when you tell people that you're part of this kind of activity in our in our culture here in Sonoma County? Anything you can think of? I cannot think of a specific story, but I can say that when we've held events such as there was a voter registration event, Women Can Vote is what we called it. It was up in Santa Rosa on a Saturday. We had a lot of people uh, thanking us for that opportunity and then encouragement to come out and vote to register to vote. And we had a couple supervisors there. We had different um, organizations. Um, we had the Democrats represented, the Republicans, the Green Party was represented, everybody was represented in front of Santa Rosa High School. Um, One Billion Rising, uh, we did that for a couple of years, and again, gratitude. So the work we do do, we appreciate it, but I cannot think of a very specific okay. story. Fine. I just thought you <laughs> might come up with something. The amazing part of uh, all of this kind of work in, in the public sector is that all many things are just intertwined with each other. Uh, so, Caitlin, you're on the, uh, of course, on the school board yeah. now, and uh, education, uh, the next part of the program, we're going to have a few of the students who are waiting outside the studio here yeah. uh, to come in to talk a little bit about their experience of bias and inclusivity mm -hmm. in the schools and among other issues that they may have. So, you know, everything is really interrelated uh, mm -hmm. because the work of the commission, it seems to me, is uh, raising sensitivities about, particularly about the role of women and mm -hmm. some of the issues. Your job yeah. at Verity, obviously, very, very connected. Yeah. The school board of which are so. Uh, I marvel at uh, that all of this work is actually getting done. Uh, that doesn't mean the work is complete, far mm -hmm. from complete, mm -hmm. but lots of people are really working together to try to make a difference in our in our world. What's it been like for you with the school boards, if I could yeah. ask you about that? Um, the school board's actually been really fun because there are four very, very passionate, opinionated women on it now. Um, I feel a little bit bad for Frank, who is also passionate and opinionated, but <laughs> <laughs> me and Ellen Frank and Maddie and Joanna. Of the, uh, right? he no, he's, I don't even know if he has a type. Maddie's the clerk and Ellen's the president. Okay. Um, but it's a lot of fun, um, and we're trying to, you know, be a little more proactive in solving different problems. One thing that's coming up a lot right now is vaping and how to handle that. And also the SROs, the school resource officers, are on campus allegedly to deal with that. But how do cops on campus necessarily help vaping? It's just a lot of things to unpack and figure out um, and try to figure out before too many kids are um, – affected by the dangers of vaping. I don't think that everyone always realizes how dangerous it actually is. Um, so that's one thing that's come up a lot. We're talking a lot about LGBTQ curriculum and inclusion in that respect, um, and then always talking about sexual harassment and sexual violence mm -hmm. because of what happened last year. Um, and then, I mean, that's just the lens that I bring to everything. I always want to talk about sexual violence and believing survivors when they come forward. Right. Um and not punishing them for coming forward. So, so the school board is taking a look at some of these issues mm -hmm. and figuring out how to deal with them in the school system. Any, yeah. Any programs there at the moment to that the teachers, administrators, um, uh, you're aware of? A lot of teachers are interested in looking at restorative justice. Um, there are some ways that that 
is starting to get integrated into our schools. Um, Could you explain yeah. what restorative justice Yeah, restorative mean? justice is the idea that just because someone does something bad doesn't mean they need to be excommunicated from the community. If reparations are made and if they and the people that they hurt can come to an agreement and heal and get over that bridge, um, you know, it can really make a community stronger. So bringing that idea into the schools instead of just always expelling people or always suspending people, which is something the school district is already getting better at in that That's regard. That's good. And I know the Santa Rosa schools already mm-hmm. have a program, I believe, of restorative yeah, justice going yeah. on. Uh, they do. They do. Yeah. yeah. Is the commission connected in any way to the school systems, or is there is there any intersection there of the schools? No, I can't say we have. We tend to, this time of the year, we're just reaching out to them to uh, solicit for applicants for the junior commission. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so your your job at Verity and it was an interesting. I'd like to yeah. uh, right before the program started, you were asked about our men. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, and would you? Because I yeah. think when people yeah. hear the word rape, yeah. uh, they immediately associate it as a male raping a female, sure. etc. Yeah. So, and I mean statistically, it is. If you're just looking at a case of sexual violence. Statistically, it's more likely that it'll be a man assaulting a woman, but women assault men, men assault men, women assault women, um, adults assault children all the time, regardless of gender. Um, it's awful, but, you know, our services are there for everybody, and Verity means truth. Um, we rebranded about 10 years ago um, to take the word sexual assault out of our name so that it's a little less intimidating to come in. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily know what we are when they drive by, which can mean it's a little safer for people to, you know, walk into our our office. Um, and since it means truth, it means that we really hold that truth and really believe survivors when they come in. Um, and that just totally shapes the way that we move forward through the process and helping them heal and navigate the justice system and get counseling and, yeah. It's really, it's a, and it's a complicated area. I know in, in my former job before I came here at Jewish Family and Children's Services East Bay, um, we were housing a perpetrator's mm-hmm. um, domestic violence group, and uh, I got a little note from the supervisor. Would you please remove the knives from the tables in the room mm-hmm. because uh, the group that we have in there is very volatile and we don't want those there and it really, you know that was another one of those little little yeah. things so to speak that woke me up mm-hmm. to you know the this issue uh, yeah. being a very powerful piece in people's lives that need to get healed in some ways mm-hmm. and I'm glad that the group could be there and right. hopefully those participants did reach some healing without mm-hmm. the, these knives yeah. being, uh, mm-hmm. being around there but it was just like this little thing really have to worry about that, and, and it, it taught me my lesson yeah. too. It yeah. taught me my lesson. Yeah, women have to worry about that type of stuff all yeah, the time. They do. Yeah, yeah they do. Um, so, um, in terms of the commission, any anything else going on that you would like the community to know about from the commission's point of view? Well, right now, the biggest one <laughs> is going to be our meeting right here in Petaluma uh-huh. on March 14th at 6 p.m. at the Petaluma Women's Club. Right which will be immediately followed by the uh, Voices of Sonoma County Women Listening Session, Mm -hmm. where women from the area can come in and voice their ideas, 
their thoughts, on what's impacting them, their families. And they can do that at our um, at our meeting too because it's a public meeting of a county body. So we always have a public comment section. So ideally, you won't come and scream at us. It sometimes happens at city council, but you can <laughs> legally. That's your right. Thankfully, we've never had that happen since I, I've been on. I can't imagine. What would they yell at us about? <laughs> well, what would they yell at you about? Yeah. What might they yell at you about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, when I think that was 30, uh, 1974, right? So that's 75. 75. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these years of this work and the various people who have come through the mm-hmm. commission, uh, we're talking about generations now mm-hmm. of, yes. of people coming through, and it's still, it's still going on. It blows me away when we had women's, we um, hosted the Association of California Commissions for Women here in Petaluma last year. Mm-hmm. And part of that was to have a panel of women who were on the commission many years ago, and that included Lynn Wolsey. But other people that I knew, like uh, Gloria Robinson, who's very active in the community, that she was on the commission. It was it was mind-blowing to learn who's been on there, or to be out in the community at a farmer's market saying, I was on that commission way back when. It's, it's very cool. So why do you think the word status of women was put into the... The Commission for Women's Rights, the Commission. How did the word stat? Do you have any idea why the word status? And is that still a relevant part of your title? And we have about a 30 seconds or so to go for, or one minute. Any ideas on that? I hadn't considered it, but I would just think yeah, it was. But what is the status of women at this yeah. point, whether it comes to housing, mm-hmm. jobs, pay? I, I think that's mm-hmm. it's, it's an all encompassing yeah. word. About think, everything that impacts women. And I think yeah. it really does tie into the idea of in the present, right? Like, we're not, I hate the word harping, but we're not, like, harping on something that was happening in the 70s or the 80s. Like, the current status on women in yeah. Sonoma County. And your work is certainly appreciated by many people. And I know the impact that you had last year when we met at B'nai Israel mm-hmm. and how many people afterwards were talking about the work that you were doing. So it's a really important contribution to our life uh, in our Petaluma community, Sonoma County. Uh, your work at Verity, your mm-hmm. work on the school board is certainly uh, impactful on many people's lives. So I want to thank you very much for coming into our studio today and being with us and sharing your thoughts. And hope that people will come to your March 14th meeting and mm-hmm. be able to share with you their concerns about the status of women in the, our Petaluma community. And so if you're a teen, apply by tomorrow, please. Okay. <laughs> please join us for our second segment in uh, three minutes. You are listening to KPCALP, Petaluma, California.
much do you need? Should we just keep talking? Okay. What do you want to talk about? Uh, I'm good. Um, tired. Um, uh, go home. Yeah. And sleep. Oh, color blue. <laughs> I like it. It's really like calming, you know. Welcome back to the second segment of Talking with Rabbi Ted. You're listening to KPCA LP Petaluma, California. I'm Rabbi Ted Feldman, Rabbi of the Israel Jewish Center in Petaluma, Chair of the Petaluma Community Relations Council. Welcome back to the second segment. And in our studio for this segment are uh, Cash Martinez and Lucia Guerrey from the Casa Grande High School. You got out of class today. This was good. <laughs> yeah, anything to get out of class. That's it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, did your teachers believe the excuse of coming here? Yeah. Uh, barely, I think. <laughs> yeah, it took some convincing. I got. You know, I was worried because you said you were going to send me their email, and I was going to write them a note of, you know, write them, to let them know you're coming here. So, uh, but I'm glad you're here. It's great to have you. Uh, I invited the two of them to. Uh, be on the program today because a few weeks ago, at the end of January, the Community Relations Council had a program on bias and inclusivity in the public schools, uh, and it began a dialogue, I hope, in our community around some of these issues. Uh, Luthia and Cash are activists on their campus and invited them to come here today to talk a little bit about what they do and uh, why they do what they do, and what we as a community can do to help to make things better in their world. So that's why we're here, and it's great to have you here today. So let's see, what, how did you get it, uh, Luthia? You've been uh, in the newspaper, you're speaking in lots of places, you were on another radio program recently. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this business of, uh, of that being an activist? Um, I would say in 7th and 8th grade, uh, I became more aware of things I was seeing on the news, especially things concerning a lot of um, shootings of, of black men by police officers. Um, so I guess that started me off feeling like um, there was a lot of issues in the community, and I felt like I had a responsibility to change those issues. So I became involved with the Sonoma County Junior Commission on Human Rights, and from there, my career as an activist sort of took off. 
Right, and she is the chair of the Junior Commission on Human Rights for Sonoma County. In our last segment, we met the uh, commissioners from the Commission for the Status of Women, but the Commission on Human Rights also has a Junior Commission, of which, of which Lucia is the chair of that. So that's how you got into this. And how do, how do people around you take your activism, your, your, your peers? What do they uh, see in you? Um, well, unfortunately, a lot of my peers, um, I guess, don't care as much about these issues. Uh, I know a lot of people my age who are either unaware or they're just apathetic about these issues. But luckily, I've been able to find people like Pash um, that give me a lot of hope because I'm able to connect with them and uh, together we can work on these issues as peers instead of as you know young people with older activists. Great. Cash, what, how did you get um, into this? Well, I was never really very political until the 2016 election, and even after that, for the first year or so, I was sort of apathetic to the whole situation. I thought, like, oh, I'm young, this doesn't affect me yet. But then I started noticing that it was affecting, like, my friends and the people around me, and I started getting more involved in the political spectrum. And then in junior year is when I really, like, started being more militant, about my approach to politics, and then recently I started getting more involved into, like, protests and marches and things like that, because Lucia actually invited me to speak at the Women's March. Uh, that's right, and so both of you did speak at the recent uh, Women's March here in Petaluma. That's true. That's true. Because uh, activism, we, we hope that our younger generations, I as an older generation here, hope that our younger generations will get engaged in this because we need to be moving our world as much forward as we can. We won't be able to perfect it, but we can certainly work together. So both of you were at the uh, Petaluma Community Relations Council event in which we had school administrators. And of course, last time on this radio show, uh, Matthew Harris, the Assistant Superintendent for Human Resources, who spoke at that program, was also on the radio show to talk about his take on it. So what was your take on that evening of having the administrators there and uh, presenting what they did, your presentations? What do you think? I thought it was good that they are taking an interest in their students' lives and how, like, discrimination affects us. But I think it felt more to me like damage control than anything else because it – we don't need apologies, we need action. And if there had been action, we wouldn't have had to have the council. And we wouldn't have had to listen to uh, Leticia, I think her name was, and the other students who talked. So what kind of action do you mean? I mean, like, really supporting their students in regards to the race, sexuality, gender, any factor that may make them underprivileged or marginalized. Um, can you give it? Here's the hard. Can you give any examples of, you know, you know what things need to be addressed? Uh, training the teachers. Um, what, what what specifically would look like support for you? And I'm trying to get get specific for specific reasons because yeah. I, I agree with you. I think we do need action, but the the action requests have to be you know kind of clear. Yeah. No, definitely education for teachers because I feel like a lot of teachers, they aren't educated on these topics uh -huh. or on these subjects, and they're supposed to be the ones teaching us. So what they 
what they teach us affects how students see other students. Okay. Can you get, and have you been affected by discrimination? By yeah, just yeah. like little things. Like it's not like some big event, but like little comments I hear or things like that. And I know my other friends have been too. Uh, my friend Deja, for example, is discriminated against all the time because she's black. Yes, and uh, I'm sorry she was supposed to be on the program today, and I'm sorry she couldn't make it because I would like to have included her perspectives on some of the things here today. Uh, Luthia, what do you think what, uh, in terms of actions from your perspective? Um, I agree with Cash uh, that a lot of what we see, people don't really take notice of a lot of the discrimination that happens in our community because it, it's not anything big or shocking. But what I notice a lot at the schools is what I would call microaggressions, which is just a constant barrage of discrimination and harassment and little comments and little actions that can make students feel more and more marginalized and isolated. So it's important to have um, safe spaces and areas of communication for those students so that they don't feel like they have they can only depend on themselves. Um, so it's, it's important that we not only punish the students that have been doing this to them, but we also ensure that we're providing safe spaces um, for marginalized students to talk about what's happening to them and then discuss what they want to see. I feel like um, that was a good thing about the, the Petaluma Community Relations Council event was that we had um, students and alumni talk about their experiences, but I also felt that, like there wasn't enough of that because, um, you know, the most important thing for us right now is to ensure that marginalized students feel like they're being heard and respected and that their words are being taken into account. Yes, so uh, we, the Petaluma Community Relations Council, are uh, frustrated or at least want more. We recognize that there's a need more, that that 20-minute segment in which there were small group discussions was just a little, little drop in a bucket of what needs to be done in terms of getting people to listen to each other and to be able to uh, communicate. So, um, when you say uh, punishment, use the word punishment, and in the last segment uh, of this radio show, uh, Caitlin Quinn was talking a little bit about restorative justice po uh, possibilities, in which part of the, quote, aftermath or the effects of somebody doing something that's offensive uh, is to make up for it in some way. What do you see is, uh, how, how do you see that punishment helping in this? And for what kinds of things? For, for comments, for literal physical? Obviously, once we get into anything physical, we're, we're, we have a whole other issue. But what kinds of things are you thinking about? Well, this is a, another thing I have to agree with Cash on, where you can suspend um, students for saying or doing things or give them attentions as much as you want. But it comes down to the fact that kids who draw swastikas at, on school or n give Nazi salute to kids they know have, are Jewish, which happens all the time, um, it's because they're not you know, appropriately educated about these topics. I don't think they would be doing that if they really had an understanding of the historical context of those actions. So, um, you know, we can give them detentions, and we should, to make sure that they feel responsible for their actions. But first, it should come back to giving them an appropriate education about these things so they don't repeat their actions. It's so fascinating that you say that. And, of course, using that uh, comparison, uh, that example, is it reminds me, many years ago, I was in a town where the 
a high school football team was called the Blue Devils. And the uh, street name for the team was the Blue Devils, the Blue Jews. And it was uh, an insult because in the history of anti-Semitism, the Jews were compared to the devils. We wore hats on our heads to cover up our horns because we're really the devils. And my babysitter was a high school junior like you, and she, uh, I told her that. I said, how can you use that word? How can you use that? And she did, I gave her a book about the history of anti-Semitism. So I can really double down on your plea for education about some of these things, whether it be about anti-Semitism, racial issues, gender issues. It's education plays a very, very important role. Thank you so much for bringing that up. That was really very important. What are you thinking about the punishment pieces of the uh, I, I completely agree with Lucia that these students, they need to be taught the historical context of the events that have led to anti-Semitism, racism, misogyny, because if they don't understand, they're not going to be able to see it from the viewpoint of the other student. Uh-huh. And it's that understanding that is so crucial to open-mindedness and acceptance. So, uh, you're, you're a senior, correct? Yes. Yeah, you're a senior. So, these, the education, would that come in the context of a particular, a specific, I'm trying to get specific with this, would that come in the context of a history class, of a human relations class? Um, where do you see that fitting in? Um, any idea? Well, like with English, we usually, if you go through, regardless of if you're an honors AP or just regular, you read To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, you, Their Eyes Were Watching God, um, Huckleberry Finn, and that's sort of what needs to happen in other classes where they teach these books or just any material that shows, like, multicultural viewpoints and perspectives and stories because that's the most important thing, I think, is not telling a single story. Right, and then uh, translate the messages into how our values are today. Yeah. Because some of those old classics could also promote... uh, racial divisions or gender discrimination, etc. So it's using those books as a stepping off point to try to teach something deeper and more lasting for us today, right? Yeah, of course, because the way to use it is to take these materials, study them, and then think, well, how can we apply this to, like, our lives and the world that we live in today? Uh So uh, did you have another comment? I you're, you're behind the microphone, so I can't see if you're ready to say something. So um, I was just going to say that um, I don't think there can be any one class, like social justice classes. Those are, you know, great. But it also needs to be made clear that, you know, you can't choose to not be political because these issues are part of, you know, every aspect of life, especially for the marginalized youth who have to deal with them every day. So that needs to be made clear by incorporating a diverse um, curriculum into every class that we can. So it's not just, you know, a history class that we should be taught about uh, the history of different groups, but we also need to have books um, that were written by, from the perspective of different um, groups. And, you know, in economics, we need to learn about the gentrification of neighborhoods and the struggles that um, women or uh, racial minorities face. So it needs to be incorporated into as many different topics as we can. It's a, uh, and 
this whole thing, though, isn't it? The, isn't the bottom line? Yes, the history. Yes, the academics. Yes, um, the policies need to be in place to try to stop this kind of behaviors in the schools and among people. But it's all relational. Doesn't it really come down to the relationships, the relationships, uh, the peer relationships among students? The relationships between the teachers and the students, the teachers with each other, the administration—it's it's really about relationships. So maybe in, a, in addition to some of the backgrounds and the books that you read and what the curriculum that happens in the classroom is the settings in which honest and open relationships, where there's listening to each other might make a difference, don't you think? Do you think that would work that way? Yeah, I think that's very important. Yeah, because I think one of the things I had asked you in our little pre-discussion, Anna, I asked you on a scale of 2 to 10, uh, from 0 to 10, sorry, 0 to 10, what you felt about um, listening to the administration talk about how they felt about what was going on and they're being sorry that these things were happening, Etc. and what the trust level might be. And so the number you gave was pretty low in that discussion. And I guess the question is, what can be done to increase that from a, from a two that you had given to a higher number that would ultimately make a difference? What do you think? Um, when it comes to the administration, uh, it comes back to just people who do bad things being held accountable because when students who have been harassed or discriminated against see the person who did that to them getting away with it, um, you know, whatever the circumstances may be, they don't know the both sides. They don't know both sides, so it just feels to them like the administration is favoring the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. um, I think trust is greater with teachers because uh, students have more of a connection with their teachers. Um, so that's why also a lot of people, I know a lot of students were excited about the new elections and, and the new, um, uh, like Caitlin Quinn, Joanna Pond, and Maddie, Maddie Cloud were all elected because they felt like they might be more willing to, you know, come down to our level and talk to the students. Um, we don't, I, I mean, I know our administration administrators somewhat, but a lot of students at our schools don't know the administrators. So why would you trust someone whose face you see you know, only when you get in trouble or only when there's an issue. So part of it has to do, obviously, then with the communication, the mm -hmm. communication and the listening. Um, one, of the, one of the good parts about being on the radio is that we have listeners, which seems to imply that, you know, people aren't calling in and yelling at you or telling you you need to do it this way or that way or yelling at me, I should ask this question or tell them that. But people are listeners, and that's the starting point, I think, in this dialogue around this issue of relationships with the administration, who you're suggesting need to be more visible in the school systems, right? And more connected to the student body so that there's a feeling of that, and that that trust level might very well be able to go up uh, on that basis, right? That's the kinds of things. So, um, can you be specific, uh, Cash, about. Um, Incidents that have happened to you, things that have been said. Can you share that? Um, Are you comfortable doing that if you're not? Yeah, I, I can just share a couple of things. Okay. So sometimes people will just 
ostracize me from groups because I am LGBTQ. And they say, oh, you know, it's not because of that. But you know it's because of that. There's nothing else that it could be because. And that has happened to me multiple times. Mm. Okay. And how do you respond when you when that happens? What, what happens? It seems like I don't really have the power to respond, mm-hmm. mostly because they still say, "Oh, don't take it so seriously," you know, "Don't take it personal." Mm. And if you said it is personal, they just insist that it's not. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. So it's uh, it would become important for there to be ways to communicate with each other. For you to be able to communicate without them pushing you back about what it feels like to hear those comments. That yeah. would be an important piece of this for you, certainly. Sure, sure. And your observations, Ruthia, any about comments and what really is happening on the ground level? Um, I will say uh, one example of something that happens a lot at the school is um, my little sister. For a while now, she's been um, getting a lot of unwanted attention from a boy who, we're not Jewish, but he keeps on shouting, like, Jewish slurs at her and, like, giving her the Nazi salute and telling her, like, weird, um, disturbing jokes about the Holocaust. And she doesn't know how to respond because, on one hand, you know, she isn't Jewish, but on the other hand, he's saying these terrible things in front of, you know, a boy that that is. Um, so... I think it happens a lot where, back to the point where it comes to education, where people, you know, they don't realize what they're seeing has so much of a historical context and so much of a hurtful uh, emotional impact, Um, you know, or you hear people saying things um, to uh, Latinx students uh, because just of the way uh, way they look or because they have this false perception that they're undocumented immigrants, possibly because of all of the... Um, negative political, you know, uh, hate and climate around them. So, yeah, it goes back to the education and that um, when you're not educated, you fail to see how much impact your words have. A number of years ago, um, the, my synagogue building had a swastikas out front, and we were working with the Petaluma Police Department on that. And uh, ultimately, they, the graffiti that we had was also over at St. Vincent's Church. And people were putting, had to put some swastikas, and there was one downtown somewhere. And uh, I, the, the officer I was working with uh, informed me that this was probably young guys, 19 to 21 years of age, who had no idea what that meant. That is, they just saw it as a way of expressing themselves in discussions with them. So I hear this education piece that people are often uh, saying things, doing things out of ignorance, not really knowing what these references were, whether it be around, again, around the Holocaust, around gender issues, and education becomes an important part to it. Education becomes an important part to it. Many, many years ago, there was a segment on 60 Minutes in which uh, they interviewed a Nazi fam- American Nazi family, and the little four-year-old was dressed in a brown uniform and saluting Hitler, right? Well, how did this child know that? So now we get the other dimension that sometimes when 
people are bringing these discriminatory things into their worlds. It's also perhaps, perhaps, what they've been taught and what they're learning in other places aside from at school. And so the education in the school can hopefully help, but sometimes it's we need to get the parents involved too. What do you any any notion of parental involvement on some of the things that have happened? And any comments or thoughts about it? Um, you know, I, I think you have a point that a lot of what kids say, they, they hear from the parents. Um, so it's concerning, especially when you hear such hateful comments coming from someone very young who, um, or our principal was telling us the other day that after a student had like, an altercation where he said something extremely hurtful to another student, um, and he took the time to explain you know, in a historical context, why it was so hurtful. You know, that student was broken down to tears. So I think it was a good thing that our, our principal did there. And it just shows that, like, you know, if he did not even understand what these words meant, it probably means that he got them from somewhere else. Um, you know, there's nothing you can do to change the mind of an adult um, unless you, you know, I think that's why it's important to start with the kids in our at our age right now because, um, by the time they're adults, their ideas are going to be set. So if we want to make sure that they grow into productive members of society as adults, we take the time to help them relate to, you know, their fellow human beings. Right. And so the, the students can learn these things from adults, but they and, and also they learn from peers because peer relationships, as you well know, are very, very important at this, particularly at this stage of life. And if they see a as somebody they admire and a peer, they're going to replicate what the peer does. So it's it's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. Where do you think your activism is going to take? Do you have plans for next year after high school? Um, so actually, I just only recently confirmed my acceptance offer to San Francisco State. Yay. So I'm starting there in August uh-huh. of this year. And I'm going to be majoring in journalism. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking also about minoring in film or film production um, because I want to create documentaries, you know, to tell, like, these stories from a perspective of not, hey, like, this is like a human zoo. You can, like, look at it and be like, oh, that's so weird. But as in, like, you can see things from the perspective of the people who are affected. Yes, I think that's another. So what I hear is that you're going to pursue a career of communicating yes. in different formats so that the messages that you're uh, passionate about can get out into the public, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a really great thing. Yeah, that's I, a great thing. You still have another year. What about you? What are you thinking about? Uh, for next year or for after? Yeah, for after that. What do you think? Um, I think uh, I have a very science-based family. Um, all of my siblings have gone into science, so I think I'm going to follow in their footsteps and maybe go into environmental science. And from there, take uh, my knowledge as a scientist into pursuing environmental justice. That's great. And we have about a a minute left. Any quick comment on the Junior Commission that you could make? Um, I would just say that uh, the Junior Commission is always open to um, high schoolers to continue applying, um, you know, no matter what your ideas are, if you see an issue in, in the community that you think needs to be addressed, the Junior Commission is the perfect place for you to make a change. I think that's, uh, I, and I've seen the work of the Junior Commission, and I think it's great, and I thank you for your work there, and Cash, thank you for your work, and 
the Community Relations Council is going to be visiting your school next Friday, uh, the 8th, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, and hope we'll have an opportunity to run into you. I don't know what the administration has planned for us when we come over there, but it might be uh, us meeting again, which would always be great. I want to thank you so much for your activism, your caring, your caring about the your generation, the future generations, and the kind of world that you're going to be moving into as adults in the next few years. And you're doing a great job, and I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. On behalf of our community, too. You're listening to KPCA LP, Petaluma, California, talking with Rabbi Ted. We'll see you next time.